Welcome to the Autumn Miles Show with your host, Autumn Miles. Autumn is an author, speaker, wife, and mother. She's the founder and CEO of The Blush Network and the author of Appointed. Autumn's vision is to engage our culture with the bold truth of God coupled with raw faith. Now here's your host, Autumn Miles. Hey, this is Autumn with The Autumn Miles Show. I love y'all so much. I got to travel this weekend and met a lot of you guys, actually, that listen to the show religiously. And I just want to tell you, thank you, thank you, thank you. You are why we do what we do. You know, speaking that bold truth and promoting that raw faith. It was so awesome to meet you guys. Thank you to those of you that tune in every single day. And then those of you that aren't able to and download the podcast. Y'all are amazing. And and um, just for my entire team to you, thank you so much. It makes what we do. It's like a paycheck. It's like a paycheck. I met someone this weekend and she's like, I listen to you every time I work out. And I was like, oh, good. I was thinking that is so awesome. But she was so supportive. And I just thank you all so much. I don't want to take too much time, um, you know, in my PSAs today because I have just one of my heroes back on the show today um, talking about a new re-release of one of her books. But I do want to say we just released I Am Rahab and you guys have showed up. It has been amazing to hear the stories. I I think we got one comment that really choked me up yesterday. Um, And, you know, the the first page, she said she stopped and she had to reread a sentence and she cried and then she moved on and cried. And, um, you know, I just want to say thank you for um, telling us how much the book is meaning to you. God taught me so much while I was writing it. And uh, we just, we love y'all pick one up anywhere books are sold. We would love that. Um, so let me get to my guest. Uh, she's been a hero of mine for a long time. We had her on the show. I think it was a couple months ago, or maybe even a little bit longer than that with, um, her latest release, which was 31 Proverbs to light your path and had so much wisdom in it, but they, she has re-released, um, an iconic book that uh, I want to talk to you about today. Uh, she, she wrote Bad Girls of the Bible. She has re-released Slightly Bad Girls of the Bible. And um, I want you to welcome to my show today, Liz Curtis Higgs. Liz, how are you? Oh, it's a blessing to be with you, Autumn. Thanks. It is such a blessing to have you on the show. I think one of the, you're one of those people. I mean, I fangirl so hard. Like, I'm not even, I'm not even, I don't even care. I, it, it's just, it's really not, it's not you. It's the God in you. And it's what God has done through your surrender. It's it's amazing for, for youngsters like me to look at what God has done through your life. Um, so I know that there's a ton of a ton of fans out here that are that are uh, turning up their radios and, and listening closely. So let me just say on behalf of us all, thank you for the work that you've put out there. Oh, well, it's been a joy, you know, and it's just one book at a time, like it's one step at a time. Um, when I look at the body of my work and go, who wrote all the... <laughs> I really do. When I look at my book table, it's like, and that on the book table today isn't even half of the books I wrote. I couldn't take them all if I wanted to. 37, crazy. 37. Liz, that is I know. I know. It's crazy. Okay. But the truth is, people always want to know, what's your favorite book? And the the reality is my favorite book is the one I've most recently birthed because it's so close to my heart. And just don't tell the other books. Don't don't (laughs) fill them in on that. Your secret is safe. Just out of curiosity, how long does it take you to write a book? Well, it's usually about a year. 
Um, and even Slightly Bad Girls, which is a re-release, we did a lot of work on it. So even it seemed to take <laughs> a year. It didn't, of course, but usually they do. Uh, between the research, the writing, the editing, and so forth, uh, you know, I'm going to turn that book in, and it's going to be a year for me to write it, and then usually, you know, another six, eight, ten, twelve months until it is in hand. So it's a long process. It It's not for the patient, that's for sure. It's so, and, and people don't understand, Liz, the process of the editing, the publishing, the promoting. There's so much to writing a book than just writing it, right? <laughs> right. Yeah. The writing it is the is the part you do with just you and the Lord. You're, mm. you're in your writing space, wherever that is, and you've got books stacked around you. You've got the Holy Spirit in you. You're listening carefully for His direction. But there isn't anybody saying, oh, that was good, or, oh, man, rewrite that. <laughs> and so you do your very best. You pray like mad. Then you give it to an editor. And then it comes back. This work that you worked so hard on comes back to you just covered in red ink. And you go, okay, I thought it was okay, and it's horrible. And the editor always says, it's not horrible. I'm just here to make it better. Yeah. And they do. They really do. I will champion editors forever because we're too close to the work autumn. It's, yeah. it's our heart, our blood, our sweat and tears on the page. Uh, and you need a, an educated eye to step yeah. back and say, I know what you mean, but that's not what you said. Yeah. Girl. <laughs> so I'm grateful for those people that, that uh, help us minister to the best of our ability and you know what I love about writing is God already knows who the readers are. Yeah, He has that book on your heart, even as he has readers ready to read it. So when they finally get together, that book and your reader find each other. Um, God is in the process of it. He's there when they're reading it. I loved your description of the woman who read a sentence and got teary-eyed. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. You wrote that book for her. And yeah. that's not a, a cliche or, you know, some kind of cheesy statement. You, you did. You mm. wrote it. For her. Mm-hmm. And uh, I always say that to readers who have a strong reaction to one of my books. It's uh, then you're the person I couldn't wait to meet because you're who I wrote it for. Yeah. Yeah. And it is so it's it, it isn't it like a paycheck. I mean, I know you've sold millions of books. I haven't one day, maybe in Jesus name. But isn't it just like a paycheck when you meet someone and they're like, wow, this book changed my life. I mean, just describe to me how you feel when you when you get that response. Well, it's interesting. No, I actually don't think of it as a paycheck because it's, <laughs> it's worth so much more than money mm. to me. Um, I remember those kind of conversations with people, um, and even as long as I've been at this and even as my memory is not what it used to be, I can tell you that there are people that I've met along the path, either at a writer's uh, or a, uh, a speaking engagement, a writer's conference, um, you know, any online, Facebook, uh, email, whatever, people that have connected with me and I with them over the pages of a book. And that relationship has grown, not in the same way a friendship, a normal friendship might, yeah. but there is a real, genuine connection. Mm. So when I get to finally meet him, and I just <laughs> had that experience on Thursday night in uh, Springfield, Missouri, um, 900 women there, and I think I knew 899 of them. Oh, man, that's <laughs> awesome. Because they all had a story. Yeah. Oh, Liz, I heard you speak at fill in the blank, mm. or I read your book and I emailed you and you said this. And um, while I will confess to you, Autumn, that the names don't always stay in my head, <laughs> the stories do. Yeah. The stories do. And if somebody will say, 
you may remember my mom passed away and I wrote you and said, it's like, yes, I do remember that story. That was very meaningful to me. So far, far more than a paycheck. It is precious. precious. Yeah, it truly is precious. There's, there's just nothing like it. It's like, you know, I, that, that makes those days where I'm one particular chapter in, in my book, I literally, I, I wrote a sentence and I cried for three hours. And I was like, you you just put everything in there for someone to respond to. I mean, that is the Holy Spirit. You know, that was beautiful description, um, what you just said. Let's talk about this slightly bad girls of the Bible. So you first released it in 2007. So we're like 11 years past that. Right. Um, isn't it amazing how relevant it still is, though? <laughs> well, you know, that's the, I, that has always been the beauty to me about studying women of the Bible, because they are. Yeah. Between two, three, 3,500 years old, you mm. know, their stories are really old. <laughs> and yet, we look at them and we get it. We see the same kind of sins, the same kind of moral challenges, the same kind of weaknesses. That has never changed. I always yeah. say that food changes, fabrics and furnishings, those things change yeah. over the decades, over the centuries. But human nature well, that was laid down in the Garden of Eden. Mm. We get Eve, you know, right from the top. We get Eve. We get this, the challenge. Mm. Uh, and all these women, these particular five women and slightly bad girls, they're from Genesis. So, you know, that first book mm. in the book. And um, they, uh, they are remarkably alive to me um, and not wholly likable, but very um, I'm sympathetic to them because we yeah. look at their situation and go, you know, I might do the same thing, given that situation. Um, and the real question, of course, isn't what makes them slightly bad or sometimes really bad or, you know, whatever. The question is, what a good God we serve. Yeah. That he is willing to put up with this less than perfect material. Mm-hmm. Um, people always say, I'm amazed God uses imperfect people. It's like, well, he has no choice. Mm-hmm. That's all there are, yeah. is imperfect people, you know. So he has no choice. That's, that's, that's how he designed us, to be incomplete without him. And so in their incompleteness, we watch Sarah and Hagar and Rebecca and Leah and Rachel stumble their way along the path of righteousness, and we learn from them. Yeah. Um, sometimes what to do and sometimes what not to do. So it's interesting to me, you know, you wrote Bad Girls of the Bible, and clearly that was like very much related to, it seems like, the earth. Um, but so why did you decide to kind of take a step back and say, okay, I'm going to I'm gonna shine a light on slightly Bad Girls of the Bible? What, what was your thought process behind being inspired by these slightly bad girls? Sure. Well, when I wrote Bad Girls, which now is 20 years ago, can't believe that. Oh, my goodness. I know. I know. 1999, it was published, but 1998 is when I wrote it. So right now I was in the depths of it 20 years ago. And um, I had actually a list of 20 women that I Mm. wanted to cover. I wrote the first 10, and my publisher said, uh, Liz, that, that's a book right there. Wow. <laughs> it was like 75,000 words. They said, that, that's plenty. Oh, my I'm goodness. Like, well, what am I going to do with these other girls? And uh, we put out Bad Girls of the Bible, and I prayed that people might respond, and of course they did so kindly. And so, um, so then came really Bad Girls of the Bible. Um, the truth is, you know, if I had to redo this series of three books over, um, I would have put different women in bad, really, and slightly because, you know, they would better suit um, some of the women in, in really bad girls. Well, I don't know. They're not too bad. <laughs> and then some of the women in bad girls, 
definitely belonged in really. Mm-hmm. So I say that as a please forgive me, but we it was a work in progress. Right. Uh, and so, so the first uh, ten women were in Bad Girls. Another eight made it to the pages of Really Bad Girls. Um, and then um, Mary Magdalene got an entire book of her own, Unveiling Mary Magdalene, because no way could you get her story in a chapter. She yes. But in the process of looking at all the women of the Bible, trying to decide, do they fit into this, or had I better hold them at arm's length and say, nope, those are the good girls, mm. um, I came across these five matriarchal women. Now, they're the ones you think would be like the best women of the Bible, right? Right. Um, because they're married to the patriarchs. But right. then you look at the patriarchs and go, well, wait a minute, they're not actually all that impressive. And maybe their women weren't, no, look at what the women did. Mm. And so I could not bring myself to call them utterly bad girls of the Bible, <laughs> because there was there was much there that was redemptive, many things they did right. And bottom line, God used these women. Mm. He did not, you know, at some point say, look, you guys, you know, you've gone completely AWOL here. You're, you know, off the off the tracks. I, I can't use you. You're just too much of a mess. Let me go find somebody else. But God never does that. He never does. Mm. And so um, I love that fact. I think of Sarah in particular, when she was still called Sarai, yeah. um, you know, she hadn't given her husband, Abraham, a son, Ab- Abram at that point, a son, for many, 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 many years, and she finally says, I have this maidservant, Hagar, and her idea is to give Hagar to Abram and Hagar have a son that would then become hers. That's how the law worked, not the law of God, the law of the land back then. And so she was simply doing what people did, but she wasn't doing what God would have done. She Mm -hmm. never consults the Lord on this. She just does it. And Abram, you know, who's supposed to be this really faithful guy, yeah. you'd think he would have protested and say, oh, no, Sarah, I can't do that. But the Bible says, and Abram did what Sarah I said. <laughs> <laughs> it sure does. <laughs> so, you know, so here we go, and Hagar gives him a son. But God in his goodness, he even blessed that son, yeah. because he said he would bless the seed of Abram wherever it fell. So, um, so Hagar's Ishmael is blessed, and then, of course, then the Bible says, and God did for Sarah what he had promised mm. Sarah, mm. and he gave her the son Isaac. Mm. And I, I, th- that is one of those verses in the Bible that just makes my heart sing. Yeah. God did unto Sarah what he promised mm. her. Yeah. So beautiful. Even though she had, in my opinion, really messed up bad, big yeah. time, um, nonetheless, God blessed her with a son and a very important son. So um, when you look at these stories, it's just human nature. I mean, they're dysfunctional to the max. Mm -hmm. And yet, God still used them, God still blessed them, and it gives us all hope. Wow, maybe he can work within my life and my family as well. It's so great that you bring out, I think it's uh, one of the reasons why I was drawn to Rahab with my own book is her flaws. I needed someone to identify with, you know, and you, you, of course, you know, give us lots of examples of people to identify it. But why, why do you think it is so important for us to, you know, here are these women that we, you know, we, we really look up to, and, uh, and I mean, Sarah, for heaven's sake, um, we, we really look up to these women. Why do you think it's so important to showcase sort of their flaws um, well, what does that tell, like the normal, modern Christian, just as sort of everyday woman? 
Yeah, and that's a great question. And I will say, occasionally somebody will say, oh, why do you always focus on the bad stuff? <laughs> well, I'll point out that it's in the Bible. So, yeah. I, you know, it isn't like I go digging to find something bad about them. Sometimes you have to dig to find something good about them. Right. Uh, but um, <laughs> it is the story as presented in Scripture. And, you know, I teach verse by verse, sometimes word by word. I look at, you know, 40 different translations. I try not to wear people out, but I, I really go deep into the Word of God. It is our hope. It is it is what God has given us to work with, to know Him better, and how lovely that He teaches us through stories of His real people, mm-hmm. His followers, His church, um, is filled with flawed people. And as I said, I, I focus on the flaws because they give us hope. Yeah. Um, they, they show us that even when we do this, our God is faithful. Mm-hmm. Even when we don't do this, our God is faithful. Mm-hmm. And so that kind of thing just gives us such hope. And most people these days, that's what they're needing. Yes, they desperately need it. I, um, you know, I think some of these women are kind of daunting if, just at first glance. 40 different translations, that's like amazing. Um, to sit and just kind of look through that material, uh, uh, the, the pages of God's word and, and, you know, I'm sure the cross-reference and all that stuff that you do. But to really dig deep and to find the heart of these women and what God chose to utilize them for, even though, even when, even when, even when, girl, that will preach like crazy. To speak to that girl, would you just take like a second? I I know that we have uh, so many listeners that listen every single day. Um, and they, they listen to the show because of that bold truth that we, we try to put out there every day that we feel like that's our mission. Um, what, what about that girl that is listening and she's like, but except for me, even when, yeah, yeah, they use, they use Sarah and she's in the Bible. So how can I compete with that? You know? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Hagar. Okay. Whatever. Um, but that's not me. Could you just encourage that woman just for a minute? You bet. And I, of course, totally get it. Autumn, you know my story. I I am an FBG, a former bad girl. Mm. And so when I stepped into the kingdom 36 years ago, Mm. um, my hands were filthy. You know, I was like that prodigal son coming out of the pig, pig pen. What I love about that story is that when he comes to himself, the scripture says, or he comes to his senses, the Bible says his father saw him from a long way off. I love that because it means the father never took his eyes off that prodigal son. And to my prodigal sisters or my doubting sisters or my fearful sisters, um, God has his eye on you. There is nothing you can do that will make him look away. He keeps his eye on us. He has a plan for us. But he does sometimes have to wait until we wake up or come to our senses. For me, that was definitely in that pit, uh, the whole sex, drugs, and rock and roll thing. Um, When I came to my senses and realized that I thought I'd run away from God, and he was, in fact, next to me. I mean, he had never left me. Mm -hmm. He had remained by my side through all the ugly because of his love. His love is unchanging and and always there. It's, it's forever. And so when you realize that, first of all, it makes you so grateful. And then it makes you realize, well, that's how these women in the Bible are, too. And he used them. Maybe he can use me. Maybe I haven't gone too far or done too much. We think of these women as special because they're in the Bible. But the truth is, they are special because God 
sees them. Yeah. Just like he saw Hagar and she named him the God who sees me. Just like he saw Leah, it says when God saw that Leah was not loved. Can you imagine a God that sees so clearly? Wow. Not just what we do and what we say, but he sees all the way into our hearts to what we think and what we feel and where we hurt. He sees that, Mm. and he had a solution for Leah, and he has a solution for us. So, you know, the temptation to say, well, these women were, you know, amazing and famous. I mean, we're so about a celebrity culture. Um, But these women weren't, you know, celebrities in their time. They were just women. Right, right. Just like us. Yeah. I love that. The God who sees. How, How many of us are looking for just someone to take notice and just say, hey, hey, I see you. I see you're, you're known. Um, and here God is doing that. What, what great encouragement, um, to those women out there. Hey guys, the name of the book, um, I'm sure you're familiar. Most, most of our listeners would be familiar with the bad girls of the Bible trilogy. Is it a trilogy? Did you write more than just three in this bad girls of the Bible? Is it three? Okay. Okay. Bad girls, really bad girls, slightly bad girls. I think, I think we're done. And, you know, I've gotten very brave in the last few years and I've actually written about the women of Easter and the women of Christmas. In yes. other words, the good girls of the Bible. Oh, my goodness. Who, how, who would dare do that? But <laughs> um, but even they are, are imperfect. But, wow, they, they do have stories to tell us. I just, I obviously love the women of the Bible. It's what I do. It's mm. only taken me about 36 years to figure out that that's what I do. Yeah. Because <laughs> I teach the women of the Bible. So when people ask me to do something else, it's like, I, I will speak on any topic you like, but it's going to be drawn from the life of a woman in Scripture. I love they it. They are there for us. I love it. Um, this book is available in the re-released form, uh, version, which has a study guide to go with it. And, um, you know, it, it's it's all pretty packaged for 2018. Go pick this up, listeners, anywhere books are sold um, I know it'll bless you. Liz, before you go, I wanted to ask you, last time you were on the show, uh, you 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 were in the middle of a cancer battle. And I, w- I would just like to know just sort of an update. How you doing? How is everything going? Oh, what a sweet thing to ask. Well, uh, in June, um, we had those wonderful CAT scans that produced some exciting results. No evidence of disease. Oh, Our wow. favorite words. In fact, they call it NED, no evidence of disease. Wow. So that's the good news. I am still in treatment because cancer is funny. It mm. hides and then comes back. And so every three weeks, I still have a treatment. And in November, we'll do those CAT scans again and pray for another round of no evidence of disease. But here's the thing. Whether I am cancer-free again next time or they find a new tumor, God is in charge. Mm. God is good, and God will take care of things, yeah. including me. So, I, you know, I live in kind of this crazy, honestly fearless kind of thinking because I know God's in charge. And so I don't have to do anything. I have to show up for my every three-week deal. But otherwise, I'm speaking like a wild woman all fall, writing a new book. There's always something going on at the Liz house. So I love it. You are such a hustler. I love that. I love it. Um, congratulations on on that report. I know that was, you know, a huge relief. But I, but I love your perspective. Listen, God's in charge, whether I'm cancer-free or, or whether I'm not. That is... That's just so amazing. Thank you for um, just, I'm sure that that encouraged someone as they were listening, you know, because cancer, who doesn't know someone that hasn't been touched by cancer? Um, It is, it is everywhere. And, and we need this, we need this hope, you know, that you have. I'm so glad that you are doing well. 
Um, I'm so glad that you're working on another project uh, so that, you know, we can run out and get it. And um, if you are listening out there, listen, this is a woman that I followed for a long time, followed her work, 37 books, y'all. Like, come on, I am 37 years of age. So that's, <laughs> you, you've been writing since I've been born. <laughs> yeah, uh, just, a, just about like that. <laughs> that, is, that, is, that is amazing. She also, you can catch her. She, she was talking about her speaking schedule. Liz, where are you going to be this fall? Is there just a couple of big cities you can throw out there? Will oh, you be wow. in Dallas? Will you be in Dallas at all? Uh, let's see. Yes, I will be in Hearst, Texas, which I think is near Dallas. Yes. Um, and uh, I am all over the place. Um, there's 29. I just did a couple this past weekend, so I think I have 29 left to go between now and December 9th. Easiest way to know where I am is to do what I do, which is look on my website. Website. Is that is <laughs> that LizCurtisHiggs.com? That's it. And then, you know, right there you'll see events and all the details about all the events I'm doing this fall are there. They're all for women. Some are uh, evening or a Saturday morning. Some are a little bit longer, you know, Friday night, Saturday. Um, but, boy, I love to, love to encourage my friends in, in person. There's nothing like mm. the live experience. Yeah. You just, you can't, you don't, can't get it from a video. You can't get it even from a podcast. You know, you just, there's something so that happens in a room mm. when you're worshiping God and you're learning about God and you're laughing and you're crying and you're having that experience together. So mm. I'm grateful that I can still do that with gusto. And it, and it is amazing. <laughs> um, guys, go catch her out on the road. She's, she just said she'd be in Hearst, Texas. All of my DFW listeners. Look her up. Go to her website. Get this book. Uh, Liz, it is such an honor for you to be on my show again. Thank you so much. We appreciate it. Total blessing. Thanks, Autumn. Thank you. And thank you for listening. You know I'll be right back here tomorrow on The Autumn Miles Show. Thanks so much for listening today. The Autumn Miles Program is listener supported and your donation to keep it on the air is appreciated. To make a donation, visit autumnmiles.com. And with a $100 donation or more, you'll receive an autographed copy of Autumn's book, Appointed, Your Future Starts Now. Join us next time for the Autumn Miles Show on The Word, 100.7 FM.